December is an important time around here. Cortexmas. Cortexmas season. It's winter Cortexmas, right? <laughs> it's both summer and winter Cortexmases. They do have important parts to them. Like summer Cortexmas is WWDC time. Right. Winter Cortexmas is very traditional around here of winter uh-huh. Cortexmas. I like that you're getting on board this idea of, of seasonal Cortexmas. I think last year I finally broke your will a little bit for Cortexmas is all year long. And this this feels a little bit like you're you're coming up with a way to frame this for this yourself. This is as far as I am willing to go. There are two Cortexmas oh, seasons. Oh, there are two Cortexmas seasons. Okay. But see, okay, so summer Cortexmas, yeah. that means there's going to be a long break. Right. Winter Cortexmas is just merely the celebration of the original Cortexmas. Ah, uh, okay. Winter Cortexmas is traditional Cortexmas. That's We're pretty busy at, in December. Yes, that is show. very true. And we start with State of the Apps. State of the Apps. So in case anybody doesn't know what State of the Apps is, we've been doing this, this is our third year doing State of the Apps, which was an idea that came from a blog post that Gray wrote in 2014, where you went through a bunch of applications and categories of applications and kind of spoke about your feelings to the stuff that you're using, the things you would like there to be, the things that uh, have surprised you, that kind of stuff, right? Like, these are the apps that I use, mm-hmm. etc. And then over the last couple of years, we've refined it a little bit. Um, and so we talk about apps that we use for productivity, apps that we use for writing research, and then do a little lightning round. So mm-hmm. that's what kind of what we've established over the last couple of years. But I want to add a new part into State of the Apps now, oh, which we will okay. do in years to follow where we will share our home screens, which I don't think we've done for quite a while. That's a good, that's a good place for it, yeah. If that fits into state of the apps. I think it's a good time, right? Because that, you know, we, we get to show these are the apps that we find that are most important, and then we can talk, dig into some categories that lend themselves nicely to the show. Yeah, that works really well. The apps that a person has on their home screen, it tells you what they're favoring. It says a lot about the person. Yes, it says a lot, says a lot about the person. We all, we all know that. Mm-hmm. So... I'm going to go first because you're going to have some weird shit, right? Like no. it's going to be some <laughs> no, crazy no, no, thing Mike, you're doing. Mike, Mike, what? I, pro- I promise you, there's, you, you can go first. Okay. But, but I promise you, there's nothing crazy. It's, it's very boring. There's nothing crazy going on. So you can, See, you I, can relax. No, I'm going to share mine first. I'm going to send okay. you my iPhone and my iPad. Oh, okay. They have a lot of similarities, but the iPad does bear differences now. Mm-hmm. Which I thought, so I've sent those to you. They're coming through over the wire. Over the wire. There shouldn't be anything surprising here, I don't think. It's always surprising the completeness of your home screen. Like, I, f- I forget how many apps a person can shove onto one home screen. And it's a lot. It's, it's, it's a lot like this. They give you the space for it. The phone is a portal to applications. That is all it's for. Not filling up the home screen. You, you're just making things more difficult for yourself, you know? That's my, that's my new view on this and going into 2020. Hashtag full uh-huh. home screen. That's where I'm right. going in 2020. That's my new campaign. Yeah, okay. I get it. I get it. It's just... It's just a little shocking. That's mm-hmm. all. I don't normally see a home screen that is that is this full. Now, my iPad home screen isn't full, but that's because it's got tons of folders. And the second screen is just games from Apple Arcade games that I haven't tried out. But uh, okay. my iPad home screen is as full as I would make it. The iPad home screen is a bit of a different situation. It's a different beast because of the dock and all that stuff. Yeah, now that we have iPad OS, yeah, the, the iPad is a very different beast. So I'm, I'm looking at a beautiful grid wallpaper 
background on your phone there. It's a Cortex wallpaper. Of course, yes, there will be course. a link in the show notes to that. Yeah, it's Cortex wallpaper, and you have filled every single slot mm-hmm. with an app. Otherwise, there would be empty spaces on a grid. Who wants that? No, An animal wants that. wants that. That's it. Right. You've got four apps in the dock, mm-hmm. full, full grid. The one that actually, this is silly, but this is the one that catches my attention first, is Reader at the bottom. Yes. R-E-E-D-E-R. Uh-huh. That, that is the one that immediately drew my attention. Well, this is new for Mike of 2019. Yeah, you mentioned a long time ago that, that you, were, uh, you were trying to go back to RSS. And I, I, I'm, I think, I'm sure past me said something like, good luck with that. You know, mm-hmm. let me know how that works out. And then we haven't brought it up since. And so this is why um, Reader is actually the first one that catches my attention. Well, this is me letting you know that it is working out fantastically for me. Okay, tell me, tell me. The main reason I'm using RSS and I use mm-hmm. Reader and a service called I Know Reader. There are a bunch of other services. I don't even remember why I signed up for this one, but I have a year on it, right? So it's mm-hmm. just like, this is just the one that I have. It has reduced my reliance on Twitter mm-hmm. as a source of news mm-hmm. because that's what I was using it for and that meant that I was using it more than I wanted. So now I'm... I'm more mindlessly browse Twitter again, which I'm way happier about. Ah, uh, okay, okay. And now with Reader, the, the great thing is, because of the way RSS works compared to trying to get your news from a social network, the stories don't go away. They just wait for me until I go to them. So I may be checking on Reader. Um, I will check in on Reader on average every couple of days, unless mm. I'm doing a show, like I'm preparing for a show, then I will go into Reader to check that there's no news that I haven't missed. Hmm. I have a very small subscription list, which just basically is like I have uh, the blogs of like my friends and colleagues that I want to read, and then a couple of websites for each kind of main topic area that I cover to make sure that I've got the news. And I will hmm. say that like my, I believe the quality of research that I have been able to do for my shows has improved since going down this method. So mm. I think it's actually making my shows better because I'm finding more interesting things to talk about than just what is what is everyone talking about today because it's on Twitter. Like I find like, oh, here's a story that's interesting to me. Let me talk about this one. And so I think that that's been of a great benefit. I do the vast majority of my RSS reading on my iPad. Mm-hmm. I also have it on the phone. I like it. It's like, you know, you got, you, when you've got those minutes to spare, right? You're, you're just like, oh, what am I going to do? I'll just open Twitter. Now, sometimes I open Reader instead. And I'm happy mm-hmm. with that, right? Like every now and then it will be the thing that like I'm on a train. It's like, oh, well, I, you know what I can be doing? I can be doing something that's going to make me feel like I'm being productive rather than just wasting time. Right. And a lot of the time it's just triaging the headlines. You know, like I'll find a headline, I'll, I'll read the first paragraph, and then I add it to an Apple note, which is like my research note for each show, which I will then go to to read the article in full when I'm doing the preparation for, say, Upgrade or Connected or this show. Mm-hmm. That experiment has been a successful one. And RSS 2019, 2020 is back in Mm. my life, baby. That's interesting to hear. I think one of my concerns was about the widespreadness of RSS support. I was doubtful. And so obviously that's not something that you've run into. (sighs) You feel like the place... Whoa, okay, maybe you have. but There were some websites Mm -hmm. where I felt like I had to give them a stranglehold to get their RSS feed. Right. And there are some websites that I would like to have, but I can't get their RSS feed, so 
I have to kind of just hope that somebody else is going to write up their story. Mm-hmm. Right. So like on one of my shows, Upgrade, which is mostly focused on Apple, we do a segment called Upstream, which is to like highlight the changes in streaming media technology now that all of the major technology companies are getting into streaming video as well. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like the next battlefield. A lot of these uh, outlets that report on this type of thing do not have RSS feeds. Hmm. I would like to give a shout out to Variety, which does, which I'm very happy about. Thank you, Variety, like the only website <laughs> in this world that has RSS feeds. It's also one of my favorite sources for this type of information. Hmm. This this world is it's like the it's like any kind of like niche journalism world. If a story is big enough, everyone will write about it, no matter who broke it. You know, right. So I get the majority of information that I need from Variety. But now a lot of technology websites are also doing this reporting because they are also realizing, oh, we should also all be talking about streaming media now because it's where all the big technology companies are going. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. This may be a dumb question because I'm I'm now a user of neither of these things. Mm-hmm. But why not use Apple News? What is the reason for using RSS over something like Apple News? Because Apple News will do all it possibly can to shove stuff that I don't want to see in front of my face. Okay, so it's it's the algorithmic part of it, yeah, as as opposed to the reverse chronological yeah. order. Okay, all right, that makes perfect sense. I just want to choose the sources, right? And Apple News will, wants to give me more. Hmm. Plus, I I like the user interface of Reader a lot more. It's more customizable. Hmm. It's a very nice iOS app with lots of good gestures and stuff. Uh, so I like it for for those reasons as well. Yeah, that was the last RSS app that I used was Reader, and I, I really yeah. liked it. I it's really nice. This is version four. It's a, it came out a few months ago, I think. It's really, really yeah. good. I remember it feeling um, very iOS-y, which is nice oh, yeah. Uh, w- yeah. When, when you have an app that feels like, oh, it's taking advantage of the platform. I mean, it feels more iOS-y than Apple News does to me, like, <laughs> at least what <laughs> I consider a nice iOS app to be. I presume that another nice iOS app is uh, Pipedrive there. You're, oh, uh, you know, <laughs> that dopamine hit. <laughs> the tap, the tap tick that they have behind the button you tap when you win a deal. Oh boy, they co- they coded that one just right. I've said this before, but PipeDrive is a sales management tool. Like we I do advertising sales, we track our sales through this tool. Mm. But like I will be like say on my iPad completing a sale, and I'll pick up my iPhone to press the little button <laughs> to complete the sale because the tap tick it feels so good. Okay, that, that's good. That's good tactic design then. Uh-huh. That's really good. <laughs> it's like a little button and you, it feels like it, it has a click when it depresses and, you know, when you press it down and it depresses is how it feels. Like it's like a dunk uh-huh. kind of feeling. Oh, it's so good. Live mm. for that feeling, man. Live for it. <laughs> okay. Wow. That was that was a much more positive response than I was actually expecting. I thought I was mostly joking about your boring sales pipeline app. It's super boring, right? It's the same as Airtable. We're using that for like tracking some sales stuff like these mm-hmm. are just these are my boring apps but they live on my home screen because i i use them all the time yeah yeah workhorses don't have to be the most exciting apps Mm-mm. if anything a lot of the time you don't want them to be mm-hmm. so there's a lot of things that either i think we're going to talk about more in depth later in the show or things that we have discussed before but another one that catches my eye here is again at the bottom right next to reader is mood path i knew you were going to ask about mood path i don't know this app and i, I also um you don't have an abundance of badges you only have four apps that have badges messages of course slack of course todoist of course of course 
and then there is Mood Path, which mm-hmm. has a little a little one on top of it. So like that helps it stand out and makes it interesting to me. So what is what is this Mood Path? It is a mental health app. Is the easiest way to describe it. Mm-hmm. And what it will do is every about three times a day, it prompts me and say, "Hey, we have some questions for you." Uh-huh. And it asks you some questions to check in on how you are feeling in yourself. And it asks like really probing questions that like and that they ask them in such a way which is like really interesting. And you have to answer if something is bothering you or isn't bothering you. And depending on whether like that is a positive or negative response, depending on the question, if you give a negative response, it asks you like, well, how much does this bother you? And you get to say like extremely, considerably, slightly or not at all. So it's like examples of questions that it could ask are like, are you exercising at the moment? Do you have things that are distracting you from getting your tasks done? All this kind of stuff. It then analyzes your questions and you can you can actually write in it like a diary if you want to. Uh, you can tag how you're feeling at certain points of different emotions and it then generates reports for you based on like how you've been answering over a week and stuff like that. Hmm. I have found it as a very good tool over the last few months to help me keep focused like on myself. Mm-hmm. Because I don't I don't do it three times a day. I do it like once or twice a day. It kind of depends on how busy I am, right, in a day. Mm-hmm. So I leave the badge there so I will remember to do it again. If I have like a minute or two to spare, then I'll open it up and answer the questions. You know, it kind of analyzes your responses and it will give you kind of a report. Like this is how we think you're feeling and these are some things you should consider. And they have like, I haven't done this stuff yet, but they have meditation audio in there. Like, you know, like Headspace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It has some of that kind of stuff in there as well. I really like it. It's not a difficult thing to do, and it helps me feel like I'm doing something for my mental health, which I feel like mm. a lot of the time I have not really felt like I was doing anything unless I explicitly needed to. So this has been a nice application. I've been using it for like three or four months now, pretty much every day. I like it. It's good. So uh, you're saying that you feel like the... the- tracking is good for the mental health or are you doing the more active stuff that's in the app for me having the questions asked and me having to answer them is just interesting Hmm. right it's making me realize i'm feeling things that i wouldn't have thought about unless somebody asked me the question Hmm. I could maybe be like, oh, I feel like I can't be bothered to do anything today. Like I feel lethargic or whatever. The mood path will pop up and it will say like, is how you're feeling affecting the amount of work you can get done? And I'm like, yeah, it it is. (laughs) Right. So it's like stuff like that where it's like, hmm, okay. And then and then kind of like answering how much does this thing bother you? Is also interesting because there's some stuff where it's like, yeah, this is affecting me, but I'm not worried about it because I know I'm having a tough day today or whatever. So I think it's a very interesting implementation of an app like this. Hmm. I've found it to be a nice app to use over the last few months. That's, that's really interesting. I might actually give that a try yeah. because we've discussed journaling on this podcast mm-hmm. a few times. And uh, obviously, you know, one of the things about asking yourself questions at the beginning or at the end of a day and Reflecting on that in, in writing is a good thing to do. But my questions always tend to be very tactical and explicit about, like, did you exercise, did you not? And I've made some vague gestures in the direction of mood tracking, but always found it, like, just pointless. I know, like, oh, how happy do I feel today? Three happy? Like, I don't know. Uh, you know, it just, 
I've never found a good way to try to think about that. And I feel like I would just be interested to have an app like that that's asking interesting questions. Like you sell it well of here's maybe a way that an app is trying to poke you a little bit about introspection. It surprises me sometimes. Like it'll ask me a question. I'll be like, oh, I haven't seen that one before. What an interesting question to ask. Yeah, see, that's a good sales pitch. Like an app that can ask an interesting question even if it's not a mood tracker, is an interesting thing to bring in your life by definition. It has mood tracking as well. So once you're finished answering the questions, it's like, how do you feel? And then you tap mm-hmm. one of the faces, you know, like, good, very good, moderate, bad, very bad. Hmm. Like that's how it ends the question round. Huh, okay. I like it. Yeah, I think I might take that and give it a bit of a whirl. It's free to start, and then there's a then you can pay for more features. So. Well, I also, you know, a, a man with so many brightly colored app icons... It's got to be happy all the time. You can't fathom. I can't help but notice that with things like pCalc, excellent calculator application by our friend mm-hmm. James Thompson, or Carrot, uh, you've, you've chosen the clown vomit options for uh, the, the, the color schemes on those apps. Yep. For, very Mike, very on brand, but also just draws my attention. I have the purple Slack icon. Oh yeah, the purple Slack I don't, icon. I don't remember if the purple one's the default or not anymore, but I go for the purple one. You can't no, the, whi- the white one is the default one. That sucks. I didn't know that you could change it. I think I'll have to change that. They added that very quietly a while ago. I think you can do black, white, or purple. Because I noticed, Mike, that you are a beta tester for some apps here. And I saw that you had the purple. And mm-hmm. I thought maybe that was a special mic feature. No, I don't think so. Don't okay. Think so. Oh, look at that app icon. Oh, thank God. There you go. Uh, you have changed the icon for Slack. Changing lives over here today. <laughs> uh, honestly, we are. I have never gotten used to the white Slack icon. No, it's I never still, liked it. It still throws me off. It, it was is like... It's too generic. Too generic. Way too generic. Yeah. There, uh, you know censored pinwheel it's like it's too too much okay great back to Ober, aubergine mm-hmm. for slack oh this is great mike i really i really appreciate you sharing this home screen with me this is this is this is amazing i'm getting some real wins over here <laughs> do we want to move on to my ipad now or do you have any more questions about my iphone i don't have any questions about your iphone that i don't think are going to come up later okay i want to talk about your ipad all right now here's the thing just as a little little bit of comparison your iPhone, while it is shockingly busy, I can say it looks nice. I, I, you know, it's it's full, but it looks nice. Your iPad, I, I, I can't quite say the same thing. It's a visual disaster. I'm aware of that. Yes, it's 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 not a it's not a great look. Because I actually think with iPad OS, it is difficult to make a good looking home screen now. Yes, but I don't care because it's so useful now. So it doesn't bother me. Uh, yeah, and I, I just want to get it on record that I, I can go with you here because iPad OS has increased utility, but any user is is struggling with a real uphill battle about trying to make it look good. Mm-hmm. The real thing that kills uh, you is the way that folders look in iPad OS. It's just like they're very busy. There's lots of stuff in them. You just have a bunch of little dots. So your iPad screen is very ugly, but it's not mostly your fault. Well, here's the fun thing. So you see my artwork, right? It's a, it's a logo, right? The upgrade logo. Yes, the, up, the upgrade logo. One of the many wonderful wallpapers available for Relay FM members. <laughs> um, the the arrow of the upgrade logo is centered because it's it's lining up with the two dots, but the app icons right. are not centered. Oh, okay. When you use the widgets, 
the app icons, they, they don't have one that runs through the center of the iPad anymore, slightly to the right. Okay, so if you did not have the widget on the side, everything would be perfectly centered. But because you do, it's mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. That's brutal. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's I try not to think about really that brutal. one. <laughs> but yes, this is visually overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It's just too many folders, too many things. But it is nice to see that like on iPad OS, you can now have the widgets pinned mm-hmm. to the side, which is such a nice, such like a huge win. And so it's like, You've got your shortcuts and you've got your timery buttons and you've got Fantastical on the side. And I think that this looks good. And it's like, uh, I don't know how much of this you're going to have blurred or unblurred for the final show. But it's interesting to see what Mike does frequently, including turning on and turning off his fan through shortcuts. Yeah, I have a really nice Dyson fan. It's like one of their humidifier <laughs> oh, things. Okay. And uh-huh. you can turn on and off the fan in shortcuts. Okay. <laughs> It's frequent enough to get real, real prime center real estate there. At the moment, I think so. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. There is a bit of a war about my fan in the household. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, because the fan also heats up, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't like the bedroom to be too hot. No, you can't have a bedroom too hot. Bedrooms should be an icebox. There is another member of my household who mm-hmm. likes the bedroom to be hot. Right, that's incorrect. So I have to make sure I can turn that fan off as soon mm-hmm. as I hear it come on. <laughs> oh, okay. In the, in the general war of it. Because the fan is turned on when I leave the the room or before I come to bed, right? Like I'm like tidying up in the kitchen. Yes. And it goes on, right? And I, I can make sure I can get that thing turned off. I can, yeah. I, under, I understand the situation. Mm-hmm. I think many of us are involved in a war of what is too cold. And what is too hot. Yeah, and it can be on either way, right? Like, you may be in the cold side or the hot side, but there's always a war. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there is always a war. Okay, well, then that makes sense as to why it's right there in shortcuts. So the the moment your your perky mic ears pick up the sound of the fan turning on, you can just just click. (laughs) I like the office to be warm, the bedroom to be cold. That's how I am. Okay, that makes sense. Because you've got a big duvet, you know? Yeah. That's the point of the duvet. That's the, yeah, the point of blankets. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you 100%. Mm-hmm. I, I agree I agree here completely. Okay, a couple other things that are just catching my attention here. What is Tripsy? You have a little, uh, a little icon there. I don't know what that one is. Tripsy was going to make my lightning round, but we can talk about it now. Okay. It is a very nicely designed trip itinerary management app. You think like your trippets. Right, if you use TripIt. Okay, I'm not, I'm not familiar with TripIt, so I don't know oh, what you... When you okay. say trip itinerary, what do you mean? So with Tripsy, I will create any trip that I'm going on, vacation, work trip, I will create a entry for it. And inside of that entry, I can add in a bunch of information. I can add in uh, my, my flight information. I can add in the hotel that I'm going to be at. And it also has a catalog of restaurants, locations, events bars, points of interest that I can then add as activities into the trip or the itinerary. So I can say like, oh, I want to make sure I go to this restaurant. I'm going to do that on this day. And it will create an itinerary of the trip. So then I can have all of the information saved in one place. So all of the places I might want to visit, I can also save all of uh, my documents in here, like PDFs and stuff. You can also send forward emails to an email address and Tripsy will suck in that information for you and put it into the trip. So like flight info, hotel info, 
and it will add it all to each individual trip. I really, really like it. I've used it for a bunch of trips now, just as a way to collect up all the information for each uh, trip that I'm going on in one place, but then also add in any places that I want to visit, and it all lives in one little home. Hmm. Okay. Can you explain the benefit of this over a calendar? I wouldn't put in restaurants I might like to go to as inspiration into a calendar. Uh, okay, okay. So this this is a place where uncertainty can live. Yes, that's, that's or, as well saying. as certainty. So you can add something into the like restaurant section, but you don't have to say you're going to it on any specific time. Mm-hmm. But then when you're at the place, I can then open up the app and be like, what places do we think we might want to go to eat? Okay. Hmm. I was keeping all of this stuff in Apple Notes, just in like lists. But this application is much nicer to, to manage it all, in my opinion. Hmm. Okay. This might not be the thing. But does it have a like a map feature? Can you see things on a map? Don't think so. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So like I can go into each say like I add a restaurant, I can go into each entry for the restaurant and see it on a map, but I can't look at a map of everything, right? That's mm. what I think you're looking for. Like you would say, show me a map of this location and you have like every point of interest you've saved beyond that yeah. map yeah no you can't I, can't I can't see a way that you can do that hmm. okay but that's if, you, if you're out there tripsy developers that's actually a really nice feature request yeah this is like this is something i've been looking for for years and i used to do it in google maps and you can sort of do it in apple maps if you're willing to clutter up your apple maps right because then every restaurant that i've saved i could then open up and be like well, which one of these is actually near me right now yeah mm, i like that feature idea yeah, like this is this is what I've been looking for and just have not satisfactorily found. A, a allow me to see a map with everything that I have ever marked as interesting that's in a physical location. Right. Um, I realize now I've forgotten to talk about one of the best features of this application. Mm-hmm. You can share these itineraries with other people. Hmm. And whilst you need like the application, I think you get like some stuff free, but it's a paid app. You. If you share the itinerary with somebody who doesn't pay for the app, they get all of the benefits inside of the trip that you've shared with them. Okay, share as in sync or share as in send? Share as in sync. Hmm. So let's okay. imagine me and you were planning a trip for our anniversary, which we just celebrated, our, our friend anniversary, our friend anniversary. Yeah, we celebrated with a text message. We did do it, though. We, we observed <laughs> yes. it. Yes, And so did many core Texans. We got many messages uh, congratulating us, which is very nice. Thank you to everybody that, that, that did that. I feel like I'm getting bullied into cementing a thing into being a thing. But okay, you know, yes, look, continue onward. If there's one thing about me that you must know by now is I love a tradition. Yes, I know you do. So if we were going to go on a trip, all right, I could create the trip. I could say, like, these are our flights. This is the lodging. And this is the restaurants that I wanted to go to. I could then share it with you. You don't have to pay for it then you can also add things to that trip and then everything is synced between us. So you get all the information, I get all the information. You can say, I want to go to this place. You can put that in. Um, I can say, I want to go to this place, I'll put that in. And then we have a shared itinerary. Hmm. This is one of the other main reasons that I use this application because I take a lot of trips with my wife and Mm -hmm. we are able, like when we're going somewhere like for work or vacation or whatever, I would share an Apple note with her and we always had so many problems with those syncing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. And now now it's like we have all that information shared between us. And Adina does likes to do a lot of research for, for places that we go. And so she can add all of that information in. And then I get to see it. Oh, it's, it's really great. Okay. Mm, I, I might try to play around with this. Because that, because that, again, is a similar thing of 
I don't have a good place to put that kind of information. Like mm-hmm. if you know, if you see an interesting place that you might want to visit, or if my wife sees an interesting place that she thinks might work for a trip, like where does that go? Like where does that information live? There's no good place for that right now. So maybe this maybe this makes sense. And what I also like about this application is that it doesn't actually have to be a trip for you to want to save information about a place. Yeah, yeah. So we have a trip in Tripsy for Tokyo because we really want to go to Tokyo one mm-hmm. day. And just as things come up, we save them into the Tokyo trip that we've created. Right. Yeah. That's why if uh, if the Tripsy developers are listening, that's why I, th- I feel like I would want a, a map as well. Like that feels like a real killer feature of love. Let me just see stuff. A map of all of the points of interest and locations that you've added would be an excellent feature request. Boy, I feel you really, you really, you got a good batting average for things of things that are new that I'm interested in, Mike. I've been saving them all up. I can't help but notice that you still have the white Slack icon on your iPad. I don't know why you haven't, you haven't. Because I'm a that fool, Gray. <laughs> I'm a fool who didn't notice. I will change that immediately. Yes, please do. Just, just for consistency's sake. Mm-hmm. You have Outlook and Spark. What's going on with the wheel of email? You've got two email apps here. Outlook is where all the Cortex email goes to. The Cortex brand email. Right. Okay. So you're just using it to physically silo. Yeah, because I don't. Silo I, off I, all I the can't. Ones. I can't have that all in my regular email. Okay. All right. That makes sense. YouTube Studio. Mm-hmm. For for what what are you tracking with YouTube Studio? A incredibly successful YouTube channel. Okay. okay. All right. All right. That's I just that's all I wanted to just check in. I wasn't <laughs> sure if there was like a secret new project or something that Mike was keeping a real close eye on. I don't know if we've ever mentioned on this show the Cortex animated videos. I'm not sure that we have, but people should go watch them. Yeah. So every episode has a Cortex animated video, which is animated by the wonderful HM Day, and it's uh, every it's typically within a few days I was posting the episode, and they will pick out something. That, that they have enjoyed and they animate it and we put it up on our YouTube channel. Yeah. So that is youtube.com slash Cortex FM. But you can, I think you could just search Cortex. Yeah, just, search, just search for Cortex. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're very cute. Yeah, they're really cute. They're very, very funny and they're very clever. Uh, so you should check those out. Okay. And you can track them in YouTube Studio. If well, you're I Mike can. And is Not everybody can. <laughs> <laughs> that one's just for me. That one. That one's just for Mike. Uh-huh. That's, a, that's, a, that's a top tip for Mike is he can track his own things. Okay, do you want to tell me about any of these folders? Because these folders are so overwhelming, I, I can hardly parse them. And sometimes they have ambiguous names like just the Apple logo or Pencil. Pencil is a fo- as a folder name. All right, so the Apple logo is for Apple apps. You know, like all okay. the stuff you don't want to deal with, but it has to be there somewhere. Can't you delete all those things now? Doesn't Apple let you get rid of all, the, all of those things? Yeah, but these are the ones that I don't want to delete, but okay. I don't really have a good place for them otherwise. Right. Like GarageBand? You're busting out GarageBand a bunch on your iPad? Hey, look, you never know, man. Okay, right. It's there, it's there because case. I needed it at some point. Right, it's, it's there in case of podcast emergencies. Exactly. Pencil is okay. just uh, apps that I like to play around with that have good Apple Pencil support, right? So Procreate's mm-hmm. in there, Notability and GoodNotes, uh, Linear, Pigment, the coloring app, like they all just live in there. Mm-hmm. Games and entertainment should be pretty self-explanatory. Right, and then I have the uh, the folder in the dock, right, which is just like these are the tools that I f- tend to find myself needing in Split View a lot. So like Google Docs, Google Sheets are in there. Things is in there. 
Word and Excel live in there. Mm -hmm. Evernote's in there. We're going to talk about Evernote later on. Good old Evernote. Mm. Mm. (laughs) We're going to get to Evernote. We're going to get to Evernote. Because this will conclude one year since I started using Evernote again. Right. Yes. Yes. The the question last year's State of the Apps was, is Evernote the solution to all of your problems with Cortex brand? Mm-hmm. And we all, I think we already all know the answer to that. Well, you well, well, but like, what else would I be using? Right? We'll find out later on. Maybe you've been sneaky. You've hidden it in plain sight. On Maybe this, on this home screen. Maybe. Maybe. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by DoorDash. When you're super focused at work, having a chill day, or maybe you forgot to prep for dinner, you still need to eat. And with DoorDash, you can have dinner from your favorite restaurant delivered right to your door. Ordering is easy. You open the DoorDash app, you choose what you want to eat, and have your food delivered to you wherever you are. Your favorite pizza place? I bet it's there on DoorDash because there are over a quarter of a million restaurants in over 3,000 cities that is door-to-door delivery in all 50 states of the U.S. and Canada so you can order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, the Cheesecake Factory even. Whatever you like, I bet it's going to be there on DoorDash. Having the access to these kinds of services is awesome because you can get the exact food that you want, whatever you're craving, whenever you want it. Pretty great, right? Right now, listeners to this show can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and use the promo code Cortex. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter the promo code Cortex. Download the app right now, start planning your dinner, and I'll give you it one more time, promo code Cortex inside of the app for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Our thanks to DoorDash for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, let's move on to yours. I want to see your home screens. See what horrible before me. You know, Mike, please. Let me send you my iPhone home screen. Boop. It's coming to you over the wires. I know, because the people don't hear this, but I heard your... Oh, my God, Gray. Yes, Mike? My word. What's the matter? It's not even worth talking about home screens anymore with you. You don't even have one. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't. I don't, I don't know. What's the problem? Would you like to do a quick plug for your wallpaper, <laughs> like I did for mine? <laughs> I am using one of my Patreon wallpapers, uh, which is the Solar System, which I just I think happens to work quite nicely on an iPhone. Mm-hmm. As I do, it look really nice. That's 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 actually a good wallpaper. It looks really nice because. There's there a lot no of space icons. on my iPhone. You might not want to use this if you have a lot of icons on your phone. Yeah, so you have used space to show just how much space is on your phone, right? Like just yeah. blank, empty, void. Right. But hang on a second. What? No, wait, never mind. Wait, hold on. Hold on. What, hold okay. On. Hold What's going on, on here, second. Mike? Never mind. Doesn't matter. Ignore me. <laughs> I was seeing this on the second screen. I was like, no, wait, that's just how phones work now. The second screen is the first screen. Yes, Mike. Okay, so what Mike is looking at is a home screen. Uh, like, I'm, you know, I've just been simplifying my setup over the years. Simplifying? There's nothing on it. Okay, no, that's, that, is, that is a slanderous lie. There are, there are five things on the home screen. There's the four folders at the top, and there's an icon in the dock. And otherwise, there's nothing else on the screen there. Mike was thinking I was pulling some kind of trick on him because, of course, iPhones now always show these little two dots, even if you only have one screen. But that's just because there's the widget screen as well, which just for completeness's sake, I will send over to Mike 
as well. I'm sure it has nothing on it. <laughs> no, wid- widgets are useful. Widgets are handy. Okay. I have a grievance. Okay, what's your grievance? Well, you're currently running Cortex Preparation as a timer. We have fully prepared, my friend. We are we are in the show. <laughs> like, we are okay. in it. Yeah, no, I un- I understand that. What time is this? Was the screenshot taken? Oh, okay. This is hours ago, Mike. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, this is, okay. This, the okay. screenshot isn't. This isn't. I'm not live screenshotting. That's this was. True. I took a picture That's earlier true. today. So That's, screenshots aren't actual time. Are they? Yes. Yeah. Yes. When you look at a screenshot, it's not currently the way mm. it looks on the phone otherwise no one would take or share screenshots because it should be a window into whatever you're up to so that's that's not how this works i'm not trying to like pull any tricks here with this iphone screen this is largely just a byproduct of for a ridiculously long time there was this bug in ios and the bug was if you pulled down on the screen to search like to type out an app that you wanted to pull up instead of tapping on the icon on the screen I don't know, maybe like one in five times you would pull down and just nothing. It wouldn't let you type. It was, it just like crapped out on you that like this little search feature didn't work. It was baffling how long that bug lived. It's just like, oh, this is just the way this works. You just roll the dice. And if it comes up five, no keyboard for you. You can't type anything. So that seems to have been genuinely fixed in iOS 13. I seem to get a 100% success rate on that. And... The way I tend to use my phone is very much the way I tend to use my computer, that I just don't really, like, I don't really tap on or, or click on icons. Just on, like, on my computer, I'll do command space and bring up Alfred and launch an app. On my phone, I'm very much in the habit of just pulling down. I have the little Siri suggestion thing where it happens to recommend, you know, here's the four apps you're most likely going to use. I find that to be very useful a lot of the time. I have it expanded so it shows eight apps. And I feel like a surprising amount of the time, the app that I want is there. Yeah. So I have it expanded to show the eight as well. It still drives me crazy that if you start typing, there's there's no way to stop iOS from like searching the web for current headlines mm-hmm. or of like whatever in the world might be related <laughs> to what you're typing, which is, it's crazy to me that there's no way to turn that off where where it's like... You type the letter S and it's going to find some headline of something in the world that like relates to the letter S. And it's like, is is that what I'm looking for or am I looking for Slack? I don't get headlines. It's like related websites and articles uh, and things. Oh, okay. Because you right? can turn off news that's, that's what as I an mean. input. But yeah, it will also search for like random web pages. Yeah. And very often it'll pull something from Wikipedia, which is basically just an article about a current event. It's sure. like, oh, thanks. Thanks, Apple. I really appreciate that. Um, but if you expand the series suggestion to show you eight apps, you know, it, it pushes that further down. So you're less likely mm-hmm. to see it, which is what I want. The system that they're using to guess what are those eight apps is very good. Like, I, I think a very large percentage of the time it's one of those apps is like, oh, yeah, that is that is what I want. And so the truth of it is, I just the way I use my phone, I just don't tend to use a super wide variety of different apps or the way I use it is just very consistent. I did a little thing a while ago where I was trying to figure out what app should I put on my home screen. And I had made a bunch of shortcuts that were basically app launchers and time trackers. Like I press a thing and it starts a time tracker and it launches an app. But I was also having them write to a spreadsheet about what is the frequency with which I actually tap these things. And the truth is like the home screen icons, I just, I just don't really tap them that much. 
And so I thought, oh, the hell with this. Let me just get rid of them and I'll, you know, like I'll figure out something later of, of you know, what setup do I actually want? And then I just never bothered. Like I've been really busy for the past few months and I just never sat down and really after iOS 13 decided, let me, let me figure out exactly what needs to go on the home screen. So this is, uh, this is what I've ended up with is just four folders to hold four different kinds of things, to do's, messages, business related stuff, and then everything else. And that's that's how I organize my phone. So there we go. It's nice and simple. I knew that was going to be something. It's not. No, but it's not. This. It's not something. It's nothing. It's so just, you actually just don't have a home screen anymore. Th- no, this is the home screen. This is this is a home screen. Yeah, but you don't. What I'm saying is, you do not use it, right? You don't use the home screen. I mean, I need the little badges so I can see which apps are asking me how many. Yeah, so I can work out the 28, that's referring to apps in the folder, which is probably like to-do and productivity apps. Yeah, that's that's basically it's OmniFocus. OmniFocus has 28 open items for today. And then the next one over is, that folder is reserved for messages. messages and it's, that's iMessage. It's like there's seven iMessages in there. And then what's the next folder? The next one would be Slack, if I had any open messages in Slack right okay, now. Okay, so that's work stuff, work-related yeah. stuff lives in that folder. And then the, the fourth one is everything else. Everything okay. else just goes in there. And what does the rocket ship do? Oh, the, the rocket ship is just my my manual re-implementation of Launch Center Pro, mm-hmm. I think. It, yeah. There's just a couple of little things that I use that as, a, as like a launcher for, but honestly, I barely click it. But what happens when you tap that? If I tap that, it gives me a couple of options for frequently used things. But like, is it opening shortcuts? Yeah, it opens shortcuts. Okay. And it pulls up a little menu of just a couple things. So it's like a, a shortcut that you've created, which is a which you can do, like a shortcut which creates a menu of other shortcuts to launch. Yes, that's correct. Okay. It's just for a couple of things that I don't do frequently enough so that searching for them fails very often. Mm-hmm. For example, it's like a template launcher. So for templates for a new episode of Cortex or for a new video or for you know a travel checklist, any of these things. like right. I don't do any of those regularly enough that the AI is going to guess what it is I'm trying to do. So I'll just use that to be like launch a template. They're not widget worthy either. Yeah, they're not really widget. Like there's no point in having it on the home screen. I'm not going to use it that often. But again, honestly, I don't really click that very much. It's just sort of, it looks really dumb if you don't have anything in your dock. Three icons is is fine. Uh, one icon is sort of okay, but if you take them away and you just have this empty dock, it looks really stupid. So that's partly why I have the the rocket ship there. So does one though, really? I know. I, d- I don't love the one either, but you know, I was trying to think about what would I put on either side of it, and the truth is, like, I don't really have anything to put there right now. So part of that is is because some of the stuff that I used before, the little timery widget on the iPhone, is is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and has like taken over some of the use case that I used to have for buttons on the home screen. Yeah, because you had those to start and stop some timers, didn't you? Yeah, that's that's what I used to use some of that stuff yeah. for. So the timery widget is amazing. I think I think if I remember correctly, you were beta testing timery this time last year. Like I you was. had special access, yep. and I hadn't tried it yet. And timery as an as an interface for toggle is a really amazing app, and the and its widget is fantastic. So I use that all the time, and like. The widget is just the great way to primarily interact with Timery for here are the frequent timers that I want to tap or, or whatever. So that's my iPhone. Nice and simple, straightforward. Show me the one that I will be your iPad then. The iPad is, again, simple, straightforward. Now I feel like it's not going to be. <laughs> no, it is. It's just like... Okay. Right. It's, the iPad hasn't changed in forever. Like you, I've added the little widget 
on the side, which is really nice in iPad OS, but I've never put icons like on the screen. I prefer to just have icons in the dock. I genuinely think there are two ways to run an iPad now. Okay. And it's either my way or your way. There's nothing in between. You either go like put everything you can on the home screen, right? Just because why not have it there or put nothing. Yeah. Obviously I prefer nothing. I like the look of it better. The iPad I'm doing the screenshot of is the one that I use the most is as like my research buddy iPad of, of like here I'm working on a project. And uh, you know, I don't want a million icons on the screen there because I'm not going to use a million icons on the screen there. It's like, this is mainly stuff that I want to have for research buddy kind of tasks. And the dock is perfectly satisfactory for that. And I do really like being able to have on the home screen, the OmniFocus widget open nice and wide so I can see a bunch of, of relevant tasks, usually related to whatever it is I'm working on. It's a very nice addition to iPad OS to have that that widget on the side there. So that's the iPad home screen. Okay, I have a few questions. Okay. There is, you've got your little rocket ship, but you have what mm. looks like a credit card and a price tag. What do they do? Oh, um, yes. <laughs> You're uh, right. <laughs> no, they you are, are right. It's, it's, it's funny because it's just a muscle memory thing. It took me a second. Those are two different shortcuts that are, are set up to enter tasks into OmniFocus very quickly in a different way. So the, the tag is is set up so it, it launches a little shortcut that will very quickly get like, um, if I have a question that I don't want to pursue now about a video that I'm working on, but I want to be able to quickly just file this into the project related to that video, I can hit the little tag. And the little credit card one is a more generic, oh, I want to throw something into OmniFocus. Let me hit this, type some information, press a few buttons, and have it automatically go exactly where it needs to go in OmniFocus. Okay. So that, that's what those two are. But just, it's funny, it's like, it's almost like a muscle memory thing. It took me a second to think, what is the difference between those two? Even though I use them a lot, I just sort of know. But yeah, both of those are accept input to be sorted into OmniFocus buttons that I'm pressing there. And I see there's a, an icon for an app called Dark Noise. Yes. Which I assume you've been using for your noise requirements. Yeah, I was going to have this also for my my lightning round. Mm-hmm. That I, I see, yeah, it's ended up being there in the frequently used one. But uh, yeah, Dark Noise is a, is a white noise iOS app. I think I would describe it as kind of like the carrot weather for white noise. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly well implemented. It's super iOS-y. It takes advantage of plugging into everything that iOS does. It has lots of different noise options. Yeah, there's lots of different noise options. It works with shortcuts, so you can automate it if you want. I have a couple little shortcuts on the iPad for I'm going into writing mode now, and it's nice to be able to have those work with the white noise background. Like, say, just start playing Thunder Noises as part of the getting everything set up. There's a really killer feature that some apps are able to do, and I never, I never quite understand if this is like an official thing that Apple allows or if it's, if it's a hacky sort of thing. But dark noise allows you to mix the white noise with other audio that is playing on the mm. system at the same time. I don't know what they're using, but like it's possible. Like you can have games, you know, like audio yeah. from games and listen to a podcast at the same time. But that's clever that they've they've implemented the audio in that way. Yeah. So some apps have allowed this to happen, but I, I like how dark noise is extremely explicit about it, and then um, also allows you to adjust the mixed white noise volume relative to whatever the other audio is. So mm-hmm. the basic effect for this is it allows me to do the thing on my iPad, which is I want to have noise in the background, you know, it's raining or there's wind or whatever. 
I'm on a train. Like there's lots of options, but also be able to listen to a song on repeat at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that that is the real killer feature of Dark Noise. That's good. I've got to give that app very high marks for like a new app of the year. It's it's incredibly well made. I'm pretty sure it's a single developer who's made it. Yep, it, it very much makes me think of Carrot Weather. Of like you are you are very good at what you're doing. You're providing a lot of options. So yeah, big thumbs up to Dark Noise as uh, as a new app for this year. The developer's name's Charlie. They are a core Texan. Yes. Well, they're also. Uh, I also looked at the custom icons, which I, I thought, oh, mm-hmm. this person is definitely a Relay FM listener. Yeah, there sure. are lots of Relay themed app icons, which Charlie yeah. was very kind in asking if they could use before they did them. Oh, that's which I thought was really cool. That's very good. That's how I found out about the app because Charlie reached out and was like, hi, I'm making this app. I wanted to have these icons. And I was like, oh, this looks like a nice app. I think Gray would like this. Can you send me a beta for it? So I tried it out. There's a few Cortex ones in there. There is a hashtag Mike was right, which is just very colorful, very colorful icon. My favorite, of course, naturally. Of course, of course. Yeah, so great great app. Yeah. Really highly right. If, if, you like, if you like white noise, Give it a give it a try. It's uh, I think it's it's easy to say. It's the probably the best white noise app on the store right now. I would agree with you because it actually looks good. <laughs> yes, some <laughs> of them are ugly or I don't know. They, they try to be like these weird experiences. They want to be more than they are, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. So that's why it's it's really good. Two thumbs up. The series shortcut support is so good. Yeah, you can just choose everything, and I love some of the sounds that they have in this app. Right, where like keyboard is one of them. Snoring is one. The sound of a plane, which you must love when you're on planes, because uh, I know you like that, right? I don't know why you give me a hard time about that, Mike. It's I'm not giving you a hard time. I'm just asking. <laughs> I'm just asking. Uh, yes, I listen to plane noise when I'm on a plane. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is that's a, that is a thing that I do mm-hmm. that helps isolate the sound. The first the time you told to me do. that, I thought it was madness. I have mm-hmm. since. I understand. I get it. Okay. I get it more Good. now. So you don't lose your sense of place, but you also don't have. To hear yeah. things you don't want to hear. Yeah. What are you? What are you gonna? You gonna listen to train sounds on a plane? No, you're not gonna do that. That's just confusing. Thunder sounds are terrifying. You might hear thunder yeah. when you're on a plane. It's the worst place for thunder. That is also true. Yeah. So that's why you're gonna listen to plane sounds on a plane. That's what you're gonna do. This episode is also brought to you by our friends over at FreshBooks. If you want to save hundreds of hours, our friends at FreshBooks can help you do just that with their super simple cloud accounting software. FreshBooks simplify tasks like invoicing, expense tracking, and getting paid online. This means that FreshBooks is tackling the work that you don't want to have to be spending tons of time dealing with when all you want to be doing is the thing that you are great at, the thing that you make your money doing. Invoicing is a necessary part of getting paid, but it isn't something you want to be sinking tons of time into. And it's easy to do it, right? You can send out an invoice, then weeks go by, and you wonder, I wonder if they ever got my invoice. And then you send them an email. You check, wait, did I already chase them or not? I'm not sure about this. You have to check that spreadsheet that you created. Did I say that I'd send it out? Did I actually send it out? And you have to go and search it. And they don't want to do this. You don't want to be checking all this nonsense out. You don't want to be chasing people. You want things to be done for you with an amazing system. That's what FreshBooks does. The invoices are super simple to send out. Once you've sent them, you can check if they've been received. You can check if they've been opened. You can see if they've been printed by your client. So you'll know. It's very easy for them because they just get the email. They go on a link. They can check everything out there. They can even pay it online if they want to. So you're making things easier for the people that you're invoicing as well. And then you can also automate late payment email reminders with FreshBooks. So you never have to worry about checking that spreadsheet ever again. You won't even need that spreadsheet because all of your information is going to be saved 
and lovingly kept inside of FreshBooks. I have been using FreshBooks for over five years and they are the perfect solution for me and my business. FreshBooks are offering a unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show, no credit card needed. If you've not yet tried them out and you ever send invoices, please go now to freshbooks.com slash cortex and give it a go. And if they say, how did you hear about the show? Tell them from the Cortex podcast. That's freshbooks.com slash cortex for an unrestricted 30-day free trial. Our thanks to FreshBooks for their support of this show and Relay FM. I don't really have any more questions about your home screen. Yeah, no, we can we can dive more into the like state of the apps stuff yeah. now. So let's go into our categories then. Let's talk about productivity applications. So I'm going to assume that at both of our to-do systems have remained exactly the same. You're on OmniFocus, I'm on Todoist. Yeah, so this is this is category time mm-hmm. now for state of the apps and yeah, I was I was reviewing all of my various apps and some years are years of upheaval. Some years are years of stability. And I think overall this has been a relatively stable year for me for most things, which is a small mercy. But so yes, when it comes to the productivity category, I'm still with OmniFocus, also on the theme of stability. Uh, before before Mike can even ask me in a joking way, they have still not added time zone support. Oh. Stable with oh. regards to that as well. Stable and will not add the feature. <laughs> time zone support remains very stable. Time zone support remains exactly as it is. Unchanged in five years. We've been talking about it for five years. <laughs> We've been talking about it for five years. I believe, if I remember correctly, the, the bug is first lodged on the OmniFocus discussion board's probably close to 10 years old now mm-hmm. at this point. And this is in case you're not following along the idea of fixed and floating time zones. I don't even want to explain it anymore. The, so the idea being, if you if you travel, depending on how you work, you will have a decision as to whether like a task should occur at the time you originally set it at, no matter where you are in the world. So if it's 10 a.m. Eastern time, even if you're on Pacific time, you want that task to fire at 10 a.m. Eastern time, right? So that's like when that thing must be done. Or as me and Gray tend to both like for the way that we work, because we will shift things around when we travel. If I have a task at 10 a.m. in London, I want it to fire at 10 a.m. if I'm in San Francisco. I don't want it to fire at 10 a.m. London time because I'm sleeping. So many applications like my friend Todoist will allow you to choose when you set up a task, which do you want it to be? OmniFocus does not do that. OmniFocus will just trigger those tasks in the local time that it was set, right? It doesn't change them. Yes. I I don't have hope, but I also do have hope because I think it's it's fairly obvious if you follow the OmniFocus blog, which I do, that they have been adding more and more features which are all pointing in the same direction of, you know, uh, collaboration and shared OmniFocus tasks. And... There's no way that that can remain unresolved. I mean, I say there's no way, but who knows? But no, there's no way it can remain okay. unresolved. In preparing for this episode, I listened to last year's State of the Apps. Okay. You were saying okay. the same things. Okay. Well, they haven't released multi-user support yet. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure. But anyway, it it doesn't matter. I have a incredibly hacky workaround. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna reiterate absolutely everything. If you want to hear how I use OmniFocus and why I like it so much, I think do listen to last year's episode. I talk about it in a, in a big section. Um, I've been sticking with it all year. 
I don't think at any point in the year have I even played around with trying to switch to a different app. And overall, I'm I'm very happy with uh, my OmniFocus setup. And and I will still always say that like OmniFocus, better than any app, does the thing that I care the most about, which is I only want to see tasks that I can work on yeah. right now. Yeah. And and it's like OmniFocus nails that feature of don't show me that, you know, tonight I'm going to brush my teeth. Only have that item appear when it's actually the time to do it. And I love OmniFocus for that. And that's why I stick with it. Also, as I referenced before, you can really work with it in shortcuts to save a lot of categorization time. And so I, I really like that. Having set up a bunch of shortcuts to say, I want to put something in OmniFocus and have it automatically go wherever it needs to go without me even needing to open up the app is also like a really nice, really big deal. So uh, yeah, I've, I've stuck with OmniFocus and I really, I really like it. And I'm, I'm very happy with that setup. And it sounds like you are still with Todoist. Yeah, my to-do systems remain unchanged. You may remember uh, that I spoke in the summer about thinking I would switch over to Reminders. I've just Mm -hmm. decided not to bother doing that because Todoist has been making some nice changes to the app over over the year. Um, They're still working on an upcoming feature, which I also mentioned last year, of being able to look at your tasks in in a Kanban format. But mm-hmm. they are, at the moment, over the last few months, they have been having some updates to the application, which is called their foundation updates, where they're like mm-hmm. working on the basics of a lot of stuff. But in that, they've made some really nice design changes to the app that I enjoy greatly. But things are really nicely color-coded. They've added much, much, much better support for uh, nested tasks. Right, So you could have a task and a bunch of subtasks. So I'm now using that feature because it's way better implemented, both visually and from a, a date, like from an entry perspective. You can even like really easily have subtasks and then subtasks inside of a subtask, right? So mm-hmm. I, I really like the way that they've implemented that. And so I've been using that to great effect recently, which I'm really happy about. I continue to be happy with Todoist. It is the right application for my usage. Mm-hmm. OmniFocus, I could have work the way that I want, but it's a lot more application than I need. Yeah, OmniFocus is a is a very big guns, heavyweight mm-hmm. solution to to the task list problem. Like I don't use defer dates and the stuff that you're using, and I feel yeah. like if you're not using them, OmniFocus might be too much for you. Yeah, yeah, for but sure. A lot of the stuff around to do apps is just how they're designed, and if that works for you. Mm-hmm. I am still using things for my checklists for when I post Cortex and stuff like that. I'm still using things for that because I like to have that off siloed into its own little place. Right. So things is still Cortex specific, yep. which I, which makes me happy. And I, I enjoy yep. that quite a lot. Um, actually, I realized I do have to put a, just a little asterisk on that of, of like having not tried anything else. So Apple did this big redesign of Reminders, which is why mm-hmm. you were discussing like, ooh, maybe I'll move to Reminders uh, for iOS 13. And I played around with that a bunch just because I wanted to see, you know, what's what's up? What's the deal with reminders? How you doing? What's going on? And it's interesting. It's so much better. It is so much better. It does have the feel of like a really well-polished beta of, of like, it's, it's, there's parts of it which feel a little bit to me like, it's not quite, it doesn't, you know, it's like you're 80% of the way there. But I do think it's, it's a nice big improvement. And I've actually ended up using reminders uh, it it turns out Reminders is m- mostly a solution t- for me now to a, a different problem that I've always had, which is 
Now I know, like, I hate to even say this out loud because people are going to, this is going to be another one of these things where everybody has like the app they want to tell you about. But I've, I've never really been happy with any of the apps that are designed to just make a list of like, how much information does a list app show you? Does it have collapsible or non-collapsible categories? How can you sort the lists? How quickly can you get something into it? How quickly can you just see stuff? Can I ask, what are you listing? Can you give me an example? Easy example, movies to watch, books right. to read, right? right. Like okay. that's a list. You don't want those in OmniFocus. So this is the thing. I could do it in OmniFocus. It's like, yes, of course. For OmniFocus, like it's a trivial thing. It doesn't, they don't even think about that. But I also don't want to use the app in that way. Mm-hmm. Like I, I want to keep it. This stuff is actionable. And a list of movies I might watch, it's like, yeah, I mean, technically that's actionable, but I just don't it's want to start cluttering it up. Yeah, it's not the same kind of thing. And so I, I've just, I've never really been happy with all the various list apps. And so Reminders just so happens to like present things in exactly the way that I want in terms of making a list mm. of it'll i can easily scan the list you can add a little note and so that note is always visible because of its nice integration with ios it's very easy to hit the share button and say like add a web page to a list and so i've ended up using reminders just as my list app now or like one of the other things that i do is just for cortex of like stuff to talk about on cortex is just makes it very easy to add to that bottom of the list i think that's what the app is for for a lot of people is like that exact thing right like even a to-do list that mm-hmm. is a, it is a to-do list we do not have to-do lists like in OmniFocus and Todoist it's way more mm-hmm. than that right yeah it's project management more because like a typical to-do list doesn't have like times and dates set to it it's just like these are a bunch right. of things i want to get done multiple dependencies on yeah. other people yeah it's yeah it's a whole, whole different thing and it is it is made really well for that like that is what this that's who this app is to focus on in most people and you can make it do more our friend federico mm. he uses reminders as his to do list or his omnifocus now and I mean, he uses these tools as much as we do, and he's found with various shortcuts and stuff, like ways to make reminders work for him mm-hmm. in that way. But like, And I look at it, and I'm like, yeah, I could probably do this, but I haven't really seen any feature that Reminders has that would make me explicitly want to move. Yeah, The one feature it has, it doesn't work exactly how I want, which is you can assign a person to a reminder. And then the next time you're sending them an iMessage, it can pop up in the iMessage window and be like, hey, you wanted to talk to Gray about this. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I want that in Slack, not in messages. Yeah, yeah, that's true. If they let third parties plug into this, I would move to reminders. Because that would be like, that is something which is useful enough to me that I would make the move for. But like in messages, mm-hmm. I don't do, I don't have work conversations in messages. I have them in Slack. Mm-hmm. I I agree. That's a it's a great idea, but it needs to be more universal to mm-hmm. become a real killer feature. So it's interesting. Reminders has now found this place in my life as just a place to keep some simple lists of some random stuff, and I really quite like it for that. And it's just like it's the correct information density and display. And I do, I do like that you can you can just have one level deep where you can have a little expandable or collapsible section. So I can look at Cortex and say, you know, write out a line that says state of the apps and then put a bunch of stuff underneath that. And if I want to, like, collapse all of that away and hide it and then show it later. So it's it just happens to hit it 
hit this sweet spot really nicely of of what I'm looking for in a list app, which I was not expecting. But so that's um, that's a place that Reminders has found in my life. When I have those kinds of lists, right? So like you said, like the movie list, the book list, they go in notes for me. I make checklists in notes. Yeah, I've, I've tried that, but like... I, I want a separate item for each thing. I don't like the, here's a list and there, and these, it's a bunch of words all on one page. I just like, I want separate items so I can easily delete them and get rid of them or, or manipulate right, them or move right. them. Like I don't want it as one unit. It's very important to me that they're separate units. Yeah. When I have to be editing text to remove them. Yes. Sure. I exactly. get that. That's, that's a good point. I get that. I do like in iOS 13, there is a, a feature which... Uh, resorts checklists right yes, yes so if you check it it can go down to the bottom i think that's a really nice little quality of life feature for notes mm-hmm. should we talk about time tracking time tracking yeah i think we're both very set on timery as the front end for toggle right oh yeah 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 S- since since i've had access to it having it gone public i use it completely as the interface to toggle another app with just fantastic shortcut support too that is the reason Mm -hmm. i took a lot of time off of time tracking in the previous year i just felt like this is not something i really wanted to do and i've been building back up my time tracking system over the last couple of months and the shortcut integration is fantastic so i'm just like i'm just trying to build up all of these shortcuts that automatically like do something and also start a timer. And it's, it's just a million times easier than it used to be trying to uh, put together URL schemes. And Federico Vitici did some amazing stuff with Toggle and how to get it to work. But Timery makes it just a million times easier to do. It means I can build shortcuts on my own again without needing yes. to try and work out how the API works. And I've yeah, been able yeah. to build this year some really shortcuts that work really well for me like i have one now which is just called recording timer mm-hmm. and when i hit it it sets my phone onto do not disturb for 90 minutes it looks at what is the most recent or like upcoming or current calendar entry mm-hmm. and then creates a timer with the name of that show in the calendar as the tag mm-hmm. i love it so happy with yeah. it and it works every single time yeah, that, that's great. Oh, while, while we're here, there's a there's a little thing I'll mention um, in t- terms of shortcuts because it's such a dumb little thing that I've made for myself. But one of my little time tracking ones is something I call work walk. So if I'm working on a project and I feel like I just need a like a quick mental break, I started a shortcut called work walk, which uses timery to begin a time tracker that says like you're going for a walk now. But it also uses an app called Just Timers, and you know, instead of Do, like this is a new app in my system here. And Just Timers has great shortcut support as well to do this same thing that Do does of, I want a timer that also nags me. Oh, great. What is this? Will you tell me about this? Come on. What is, what is this application all about? It is very Do-like, but it's Do with very good shortcut support. We've mentioned do, D-U-E, many times over many years on the show. But one thing that it doesn't have is great Siri shortcut support. And just timers will do the same kind of thing. It'll do like nagging reminders. And so mm. like, my, it's just the simplest shortcut in the world. But it's like, I'm going for a work walk. Start the timer to track that I'm going for a walk. And also begin a 22-minute timer that will harass me at the end because... The thing about a work walk is 
I don't want to get stuck in walking around too long thinking about the thing. It's like, this is a break. Think about something and come back. And so, like, when this timer goes off, you should return to where you're working and get back to work. This is not like you're just going to wander around for a while. So, um, I really like it's so simple, but I really like this just just do two things at once and i don't have to think about either of them and you know i use that like once a day when i'm busy working and so it's it's great it's really nice to have a couple things that have shortcut support i need to look at this i never thought that there would be a contender for due so has it replaced due for you yeah i would say at this point it's basically replaced due but because i don't use the like to do reminders part like i use do entirely in terms of timers what do you mean the to do reminders part i always forget because it's like these two different things where yeah there's like reminders and there's timers and do oh okay because i use it more in the reminders so like i have yeah. like a daily reminder to do the washing up because i don't have yes. a dishwasher still and so uh, it will remind me every day but then give me the nagging reminder right so just timers as the name implies, is just timers. Okay, so this isn't for me. Yeah, it doesn't have the reminders section. There are two things that I use as reminders in Do, which is basically the the stuff that like harasses me to go to sleep. But other than that, I I don't really... um, I'm mostly using just timers now for the actual timers. Okay, so it won't replace you. Nothing will replace you, (laughs) ever. It's a a real workhorse again. Project management. Mm-hmm. Now this is where I've included Evernote. Mm-hmm. So because I think it's pro- it feels like that's the project management application we would yeah. use. Yeah, this is where I want to get the answer to what's going on with before, Evernote. With before you. we get that answer, I'm okay. naturally assuming that Evernote has remained consistent as a research tool for you. Yes, nothing's changing it. Nothing has changed, and I, I will give I will give Evernote credit here, where it's a pain in the butt. We said last year it felt a little bit like Evernote was trying to turn this battleship around a little bit, maybe. You know, less socks, more bug fixes. And I would not say that they have turned the ship, but it, but it feels like it is turning ever so slowly in the right direction. So there's still many things that I could complain about with Evernote, but I can say that their releases over the last year... I've like I've noticed less frustration with the app over time. So uh, there's like there's nothing to report to say. Oh, there's amazing new features, and I totally love it. But I can say that I'm much less frustrated with some of the the ways that Evernote works. And yes, I'm still 100% in on Evernote. It has features that other apps, uh, even Microsoft OneNote or DevonThink, just simply don't replicate for me. So yeah, Evernote is is very secure as as the the oldest ios app that i i still use on on my devices so last year state of the apps i Mm -hmm. came to the realization that for projects related to cortex brand and the theme system i wanted to have Mm -hmm. a place where a few things were solved where i could have some notes and some outlines and some documents that i were keeping around ideas Mm -hmm. some thoughts and some admin stuff you know keeping track of some basic financial things but also a place to put inspiration and save PDFs of stuff and all that kind of stuff, right? Like, whatever note right. is made for, like, a real kind of catch-all of all types of media, right? Right. And that was, like, a perfect thing for it. Um, it could also share notebooks if you ever wanted to share them with people. Like, it, you know, made the perfect sense. That's why I came to the shocking realization that I needed Evernote. 
but enough is enough. I can't, I can't use it anymore. <laughs> Why? Why, Mike? Um, there is one reason, and it feels petty, but I've experienced this too much over the last year. There's no petty complaint that's too small to stop a man from using an app. So something that I do quite frequently is to go in and I, and I update a very simple list that I just need to go in once every, like a couple of times a month to add, like, add items onto this list. It's just a text list, right? I open the list and it refreshes. It flashes to white. Okay. And then comes back. Okay. Why are you doing this? So Evernote is loading like a locally cached version and then in the process of checking to see if there's an update, it blanks out for a second and then comes back. But there are a couple of things that are happening here. One, this is a text list. Right. This text list should be saved in the app natively. You shouldn't need to do anything else. Mm -hmm. Two, I run my app in dark mode. I do not expect to have my retinas Ah, seared by this white screen. (laughs) And also, you are getting in the way every time. I open the app, right? I open the note. I see the text that I want it to be. As soon as I tap to enter the cursor, it flashes white and then comes back and loads at the top and then scrolls to the bottom. (laughs) I have experienced this too much. So, Gray, I have moved to an application to which many Cortexans will rejoice when they hear the name. Okay. I have moved all of this information to Notion. Oh, there, there are some real, there are some real Notion fans out there. The Notion fandom is too much for me. But Notion. <laughs> what do you think of Notion? It does everything I want, just as well as Evernote, and the things that frustrate me, it doesn't do. Right. So I'll tell you, the import, unbelievable. They have a native importer. They give you $10 in credit. It's like five or $10 in credit. If you like, if you sign up for their like plan or whatever, you can, you can give, you know, give all these companies money eventually. Right. But if you import from Evernote, they give you credit, which I just think is kind of hilarious. Right. Because a lot of Notion's proposition, I think, is we are better than Evernote at Evernote. That's a great idea to give you credit for imports Mm -hmm. like that. That's a really clever idea. But like, you know, because you can, I think it's like, it's it's free as an individual. You pay for a team account or something like that. I think that's their business model. Mm-hmm. But it does all of the stuff that I would want. Of course, it, it presents things differently, you know, like because mm-hmm. it's kind of like a really interesting mix of like a note-taking application and like a personal wiki. Like you can... Mm-hmm link things together but it's also a collaboration tools and like checklists and you know it it is a very evernote you think you can build tables in it really easily but for what i need it to be which is a place where i can save stuff it has a web clipper right it has a web clipper and you can do it on ios and on the mac and it can very easily save articles save lists of things save pdfs it does all of it it looks nice it feels more modern it doesn't have the hang-ups that I have of Evernote. Like, if when I go mm. into adding items to this list, it just loads, right? Right. Everything can be tagged. You can assign things. You can you can use emoji everywhere if you want to, but I'm not right now. Because I've, I've only been using... Uh, I've been using Notion for a week at this point. Mm-hmm. It is not perfect, but it is better at what I need right now than mm. Evernote is. And I didn't go straight from Evernote to Notion. I stopped off at Basecamp for five minutes along the way. (laughs) 
Oh, base camp. Realized base camp isn't what I want, and then move straight to Notion. Wow, base camp. I haven't heard about base camp since Web 2.0. You know, they're they're, they're trundling along. They did a cool thing recently. They have like a free plan now for single users, and they have a version three. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that they don't exist, but it's just, it's like, that's that's a name I haven't heard in a long time, uh, is is base camp. But I thought, oh, base camp might work, but no, it's, it's just, it's too much. It's mm-hmm. it's too focused on you have a big team, right? And that's not what I have. So, yeah, I I really think that I mean I'm going to keep playing around more with Notion because I actually think it has even more to offer to me. Mm-hmm. But like, it is 100 percent a better tool for me for doing what I need than Evernote is. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear you say that. Um, I played around with Notion and. Like I, I, I can just say, sometimes you know with a tool like this is not for me like and it's it's hard to pin down exactly why but you just you just get that sense it's like Todoist even if I spent a million hours and it's like this the way this is designed this is just isn't for me it doesn't work with my brain but Notion is obviously really powerful and and for the people who use it YouTube colleague of mine Thomas Frank who is always showing me what he does in Notion and he has a couple of YouTube videos about it like he runs his whole channel off of Notion it like it is crazy how much he gets out of this when you search Thomas Frank on YouTube the third answer is Notion <laughs> right there you go see yeah he is I'm going to say he he may be you know, top 0.01% of Notion power users. It's very impressive what he does with it. But so, yeah, it's, he's, you go, go watch his videos and you'll, you'll be amazed. So yeah, it is a very powerful tool and it is, is a little bit of like, a, like an everything all in one tool. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting to hear that that's where, that's where you've gone from Evernote. Yeah, and I want to dig. I want to dig into it a little bit more. I wondered if it could be like it could replace some of the stuff that I do in notes, but like like we're gathering research for shows, but it doesn't really work in the way that I want with that. But mm-hmm. it is an interesting app. It's one that I've kind of like thought to try out a bunch, and mm-hmm. then I was kind of turned off by the like fandom, <laughs> just too much, you know. And, and so then like, I was like, ah, no, it's out there, but like, ah, whatever, whatever. And I was like, no. I've had enough of Evernote. I need to explore what's out there. So I spent a day, try out Basecamp, tried out Notion, and Notion's where I'm going to stick for now. Yeah, I think Notion has such an intense fandom because, again, the impression that I get from from what I've been shown about it is that it really rewards you for the more stuff that you put into it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you end up with really super users who, like, this is the absolute center of their life in terms of both the dashboard for actions and the place where research is stored. And, and so, yeah, I think it's that kind of app. And I think that is, like core to it is the idea of like you can build your own wiki you can link everything together in this application which is a very interesting thing so i want to play around with it more yeah everything can link to everything else which seeing a demonstration of it like threw me back to org mode and emacs which i used to use and but like once you get into this idea of everything is linkable to everything else you can really create a whole world and where you can jump between projects and actions and reference very quickly. So, yeah, I, th- I think if people are looking for a productivity tool, it's definitely something to check out and just see, like, oh, does this does this feel like a tool for you? Because if you like it, you might maybe one of the people who really likes it. Communication. Slack and email, I think, are the two here, <laughs> right? Like, that's that's where we're going. Yes, Slack and email. This is how the world turns. So I guess one of the things that's changed since last year is we now have a Slack 
Cortex brand right. has a Slack. We do, we do have our own Slack. We're at that point in our company's life where it needs its yep. own Slack, like all good companies do. Yes, of course. How, how else could we talk to each other about the company? We're not going to use iMessage. We're not going to pollute our personal mode of communication with mm-hmm. work communication. So we need another Slack. And yep. There we go. Um, my situation is, is mostly unchanged, right? Slack for all work communication and Spark for all email. And again, like Spark has gotten better in some ways as an email application, but no email app will ever be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the service underneath Spark, the the fact that I can share email messages with people on our team, right? I can share them directly with our sales manager, makes it a tool that I can't give up. I love it, mm-hmm. the way it works like that. We can have conversations in line about emails. I can delegate. I can share them. It's it's fantastic. Like I'm very, very happy with that. So last year I was complaining about this, this problem with Slack of feeling like I I have a very hard time keeping track of of the conversations in Slack. Like when when you start getting lots of Slacks, I just I find something about the in, the both the interface and my my desperate desire to not have this open all the time and to only go and check sometimes makes it very easy to like lose stuff. So my solution to this right now is and that's been developed over the past year and has worked pretty well is Dropbox Paper. So Dropbox paper, it's just like Google Docs. It's just a place where you can write stuff. But I've ended up with Slack and with the people that I work with trying to be very clear about Slack is not an information repository. Slack is a communication tool. So Slack is instant message. And then Dropbox paper is where the projects, the like communal projects live. Uh, So like, here is a video. Here's all the things that need to be done about a video or, you know, between my assistant and I, like, here is all the administrative stuff. What does she need to do? What do I need to do? And like, is this project open or closed? So I've tried to make it very clear this distinction. And that has helped me a lot with just trying not to lose stuff of like paper is what is happening, what is open, what is done. And then Slack is talking about those projects. But it is not like, this is not the place where a checklist should live. Hmm. And it's has worked pretty well. Those edges aren't perfectly hard, obviously, because there's always a little bit of bleed here and there. But I've ended up really liking Dropbox Paper simply because, uh, you know, the people I work with, most of them are are shared on like my company Dropbox account. And you can just at message someone in a shared document and like they will get a notification through Dropbox that like there's something waiting for them in this shared Dropbox paper document. So just because of that little feature has has made it use made it really useful for me. That is a really interesting system you built for yourself there. Instead of using Slack. Yeah, so... But I get why, because there's more permanence to the stuff that's going in those lists. Yes, it's the permanence of it. Slack just feels like this river, and that's fine. Like, a river is what you want for communication. But for stuff that is assigned for me to do from my assistant, uh, like, I will see a little red dot appear on the Dropbox icon on my Mac, which means, like, oh, she's tagged me in something in paper. This is a to-do that I need to get to at some point, like something I need to personally handle. In theory, I really would like to use something like OmniFocus for that in the future, 
but obviously like that's that is not an option right now and dropbox paper really does have this big advantage that sort of like notion you can throw anything in there so that like you can throw in like relevant screenshots or here's a pdf of a document that you need to sign or whatever so it's free formness is a real advantage over something that's like a shared task list do you have it tying into slack in any way i don't okay i don't have it tying into slack i know that you can I've just never felt the need to do any of those integrations. I mean, I don't know if you can do this, but it would seem like interesting that you could maybe add something to a Dropbox paper document from inside of Slack would be kind of cool. Right. <sighs> okay. So, yeah, I know those integrations exist. Like you can do that kind of stuff. But I actually think that there's a benefit in the little bit of friction to going over to Dropbox paper and then thinking, okay, how do I actually want to format this in a sentence for the like future me to remember? As, as opposed to just saying like, oh, what did I happen to type in Slack? Oh, that's a great to do added to paper. Like I just, I, I, I think there is a benefit in the separation a little bit, hmm. but I, I do know that there are integrations like that that work. But yeah, so I'm going to highly recommend Dropbox paper for a useful free form area to keep track of stuff that a group is working on. I've really liked it as a as a, like an addendum to Slack that these two tools work together very well for me. Email? It's, I'm still doing the same thing I was doing last year, which is how infrequently can I possibly open email? That's how often I'll open it. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I do email as infrequently as I possibly can. And I've moved almost everything that is of serious value into slack in some way so emails become a bit of a strange space for me at this point i do want to try to i'll, I'll just say for now we'll see what happens next year the, the, i do have some thoughts about trying to be more regular with email i think there is a way that that can be useful to me in the future but but for now i really haven't changed anything the way with the way i run email which is basically like as infrequently as possible. What a world you live in, my friend. I know. This is this is where this is where our two lives may diverge the farthest of almost anything. I mean, I could not do email, but then I would be on the street very soon. Yeah. No. You. Yeah. Uh, exactly. That's what would happen to yeah. you. So that's not how it works for me. I'm afraid. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Clean My Mac X. Clean My Mac X makes it easy to optimize your Mac and maintain its peak performance. It has a bunch of useful features like system junk removal mode and space lens, which lets you see a size comparison of all of your folders to detect the ones that are taking up too much space. So at a glance, you can go in and remove the data you don't need. Clean My Mac X is one of the best investments that you could make to get your old Mac working as good as new. And it's different from your average Mac optimization tool. It has a real-time malware monitor which works in the background scanning your Mac for potential threats, notifying you if anything is detected, but it's not just for security stuff. It's a great help when it comes to uninstalling applications from your Mac, removing the app itself and all of the leftover data to help you avoid digital clutter. The developers of Clean My Mac X have had it notarized by Apple so it's going to be a great solution. It's going to work on your software right now. You don't have to worry about any issues there. Get Clean My Mac X today with a 30% discount at macpore.com Cortex. This discount is only valid for two weeks, so until December 24th, you can get 30% off by going to macpore.com slash Cortex, which is an awesome discount for Cortex listeners. Our thanks to Clean My Mac X for their support of this show and Relay FM. Should we talk about writing and research? Uh, yeah. What, what are you using as your primary writing tool, Mike? Notes, probably. Notes? I mean, okay. I mean, I've already spoken about Apple Notes as like the place where I keep 
my research items, right? For stuff that eventually goes into Google Docs, which is where all my show... Right. Pro- I mean, that's honestly, Google Docs is where the majority of my writing would go because that's where I'm doing show prep, right? Oh, okay. So actually, here, here's a question. Did you use Apple Notes to write your drafts for the instructions for the theme system journal, right? Like that's a... that's a Oh. That's like a thing that you had to write yeah, out. No, where did you write that? I used Bear. Ah, interesting. Okay. For those. Yeah, that all went into Bear. Bear is just like, you know, it's fine. It's a nice app. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's, it, it looks pretty good. And it has pretty decent markdown support, mm-hmm. right? Or at least you can export things in a nice markdown way. If I'm going to do some writing, then Bear is the app that I will that I will use for that. There are mm-hmm. better applications for, like, writing and markdown than bear but it's just like one that i have and will Mm -hmm. use from time to time because i write long form things so infrequently but bear does the job for me in those instances hmm okay interesting yeah it's like because i'm just trying to think of it's a good question yeah things that you've written that feels like a serious thing that you wrote and i was wondering what what you used to use it yeah that they are the most words that i have committed to something in in the last year right that's that's like outside <laughs> of like a show outline like this prose sorry it's the most prose that i've written in a yes so you were using scrivener yes last year has scrivener remained okay so now that we're a year later it can talk about the context of some of the things that I was working on. The Billup video that went out, the Christopher Billup race around Staten Island video, and the American Indians video that just went up recently. Like I've I've had more projects that are very involved and over very long periods of time, mm-hmm. and this is part of why I had switched to Scrivener a year ago because. Scrivener is just an amazing tool that allows you to do this thing of sort of combining parts of your research into the writing process. So like, I, don't, I don't know a really good way to put it, but it's like if Evernote is a filing cabinet, Scrivener is a little bit more like, here's what's on your desktop that you're working with right now. Here's a bunch of papers. Some of them are scripts that you're writing, but some of them are piece like information that's directly related to what you're immediately working on and so that is part of what was my frustration with switching from ulysses to scrivener was trying to solve that problem so i do really like scrivener but i switched back to ulysses a couple months ago and one of the reasons is i was able to ask the developer of ulysses to add a particular feature that i really wanted The details don't really matter, but for a long time on Ulysses, if you wanted to use Dropbox Sync, which I do need to use as part of my workflow with my assistant, you could only use a subset of the features of Ulysses. You couldn't use all of them. So I I had asked, like, hey, can Dropbox Sync work for Ulysses' native format so I can get access to all of the features in Dropbox? And that was very graciously added and has allowed me to move back to Ulysses. It seems like a very big thing you had them do. Look, with development, it's hard to know what the difficulty level of implementing something is or isn't. So I guess if other Ulysses users were happy that this update came out over the last year, you can just <laughs> thank Gray, I guess. <laughs> well, I, like, I do know that this is, having spoken to some other people, there's sometimes this same thing of you're working on something. Ulysses isn't designed to be worked by on a team, 
but sometimes you do want a team to be able to work on something, and that mm-hmm. means you have to use Dropbox. You can't use iCloud Sync. And so people would run into this frustration of, oh, I can't have all of the features. How does Ulysses deal with conflicts? I think it, it hands it all off to Dropbox. So you're hoping Dropbox takes care of it? Yeah, you're hoping Dropbox takes care of it. If you're using Ulysses uh, between two people, I think it's the same thing like what, what Mike and I do with the logic projects for this podcast. You just make it very clear who's working on what when and don't both of you work on it at the same time. Mm -hmm. And if you're clear in your communication, you shouldn't have any problem. Um, So uh, like I've developed a system with my assistant where if she is working on the script, it's because I have physically moved it into a different folder within the Dropbox hierarchy. And then when she's done, it gets moved into a folder that indicates to me that like her work on it is done and it is complete and now it comes back to me so that's just like a way to be very clear about what is the state of this like have i passed it to you or have you passed it to me but so yeah i've switched back to ulysses i like ulysses a lot and the way i would describe it is now with access to all of ulysses features i get In terms of what I use, I get 90% of the benefits of Scrivener at like 10% of the complexity because Scrivener is is an application, which I think this really goes for it, has perhaps more settings than many apps on the face of the earth. And there are times when you really want that power. And I used all of that power, but I'd prefer to use the slightly simpler Ulysses setup. Plus... If you're thinking about using Scrivener, it doesn't handle being used on multiple machines very well. It's really designed to be used on one computer. So if like if you're writing a book and you're thinking of using Scrivener, I do think a, a strong consideration in that decision is, are you always going to be using this program on the same computer? And if the answer to that is yes then Scrivener's fine. But if you know you're going to be trying to like sync stuff through Dropbox and using it on different devices, that's that's a mark against Scrivener. But what I will just say is why these two apps, like what is the thing that I like so much about both of these apps? Unlike a traditional writing app, like you open up Pages or you open up Microsoft Word and you're given just sheets of paper to start writing on, Both of these apps are much more abstract about the idea of like, what is a page? And so it's a lot more like, (laughs) what? What are you laughing at? What is a, what is a word? You know, (laughs) what is a sentence? Well, yeah, they each have different words for this stuff, but it, it, but it's a lot more like you're writing on index cards and some of those index cards are big and some of those index cards are small. But you can move them around. And for someone like me who is doing many, many, many drafts of a script, it's really useful to be able to say, these three paragraphs go together. These three paragraphs belong on one index card because they're about this part of what I'm talking about. And then this paragraph goes on a separate index card. And then these next five, they go together. So you can like mark off these blocks of text and then rearrange them arbitrarily as much as you want. It's a totally different way to think about writing, and it is a a vital, vital feature for me at this point. And the thing that I can now do with Ulysses, which wasn't possible before, is also on those cards, like in Scrivener, 
attach additional information. So to be able to say, these paragraphs are part of the script, but I also want to be able, whenever I'm looking at these three paragraphs, to see this reference photograph. I want to be able to have this reference PDF so I can just double check this complicated thing that I'm talking about or have a separate note that I have written to myself about what these paragraphs are trying to achieve. And so I can now do that in Ulysses, and it is it is fantastic and just so helpful on big, complicated projects. Like when something has large scope over long periods of time, being able to have some, like pull out some parts of the Evernote research or make notes to future me is just vitally, vitally important. I'm saying this because I genuinely really like both apps. I think they are both good. I've just chosen to go back to Ulysses because I, I like the simplicity of it a little better. But both of them are great if you're thinking about trying to write a complex project. I think if I was going to choose between one of these applications, I would choose Ulysses just because I like its design more. Yeah, Ulysses is also more iOS-y. You can like put in custom fonts and stuff like that, right? Like, There's a lot of interesting things you can do with Ulysses to make it look the way you want. Yeah, again, Scrivener has functionally infinite options, so you can get it to look the way that you want. But yeah, if you're used to working on iOS in particular, Ulysses feels very at home right out of the box. Yeah. The other thing which really, for me, leans in, in Ulysses' favor is it is this pseudo markdown editor and... I just, I really prefer writing in explicit markup rather than with styles. And so that that's the other big difference between the two of them. Yeah, because I remember that being a sticking point for you with Scrivener, right? Like it wanted you to bold things rather than to... It, now, here's the thing. Scrivener is great for that. Like I got used to the, the styles and it's very interesting having functionally infinite styles at your fingertips. And so it allowed me to do like some very interesting things that I cannot replicate in Ulysses. But if given the choice, I'm trading that additional infinite flexibility for the limited subset of Markdown because I much prefer to write an, an explicit marking of text the way Ulysses handles it. So I don't want to make predictions for my future self, but I'll be pretty shocked if something comes along and dethrones Ulysses in the, you know, conceivable future. I think I'm probably here to stay for a really long time in the same way that I am with OmniFocus. That's my bet. I guess we'll check in 2020, right? Right, yeah, we'll see. Should we do a lightning round? Well, anything that's left, I only have a couple of picks that I wanted to, to talk about. We've blown through all my lightning round already. I think by doing the home screens, we sort of cover a bunch of the lightning round, but mm -hmm. I'm very happy to do some lightning round apps. I have Lightning two. round, Mike. Oh, okay. Lightning round. Yeah. I have two that I wanted to mention. Uh, the first one is Visco. Visco, the photo editing application, right? Okay. Made by the company, very famous, like their history is making Photoshop presets, that kind of stuff. Okay. I use Visco to edit all of the photos that I published to Instagram. One of my personal things that I have changed over the last year, I've been very happy with, is taking up like mobile photography as a hobby. Um, I mm. take lots of photos that I publish to Instagram and to Instagram stories, and I have great fun in doing that. It is something that I find very relaxing and nice, and I get to have all of these images that are saved. You know, with Instagram, anything you upload to Instagram stories, it's saved in an archive for you, so I can go back and look at that stuff if I want to. But I save things as highlights, or I publish things to my feed. But I really have enjoyed learning 
how to use tool uh, this tool and and now i want to try and one thing i want to do next year is maybe like branch out into other tools maybe something like lightroom and try and get my head around that Mm -hmm. but it's not just using the tool but like getting an understanding for how to make something look a way that i want it to look in using those Mm. tools right because before it was just like, well, I'm just going to keep dragging these sliders around until I find something I like. But now I can look at an image and be like, I want to do this to it and this to it. And I know how to do that. Right. And friend of the show, Tyler Stallman, who's a great YouTuber, he helped kind of like guide me through a lot of this and provided me with a lot of the basics that I needed. If you are interested in this, actually, I will put a link in the show notes to an episode of Connected, which is a show that I do where we had Tyler on because I wanted Tyler to give me the foundations of how to use a tool like visco mm. um, so we spoke through this like creating for instagram and, and stuff like that if it's something you're interested in and that kind of gave me the push to then go through this over the last year and, I, and i'm visco is definitely the tool for me it's like really easy to use on the phone and it has great like preset filters and stuff that you can use but then adjust and adapt to your heart's content and i've been very happy with what especially combined with the new iPhone, I've been able to produce. So I'm really like that. Okay, lightning round. I'm going to pick Night Owl, which is the tiniest app that hardly does anything. It's for your Mac. It just puts a little a little owl face on your menu bar at the top. And if you right-click on it, it'll swap your machine from light mode to dark mode. And it's great to have there, just because sometimes you want to switch between the two. Most of the time I'm running my system in dark mode, but I feel like it lets me appreciate the moments where light mode is genuinely better. So I can just quickly click, swap everything over to light mode, and then click, swap everything back. It's the tiniest utility, but it's very, very helpful. I would like to just pick an application that I must have picked in the past at some point, but I don't know if I have, and it deserves to be mentioned. It's an app called Deliveries. It's like an old school app, right? Deliveries has been around forever. It is just an app to track parcel deliveries. Right. But this has become something that I do more and more, especially (laughs) as I track notebooks traveling across the globe. Right. Um, Yes. I need to be able to keep my eye on that stuff. And deliveries is just a really great app. It's, It's designed so well on iOS. Like you can just like highlight a tracking number in an email, press share Mm. and add it to deliveries. Like it's a really well made application. I love it a lot. And uh, I feel like it, it should get some love every now and then because, you know, it's like one of these apps that's like, surely I can only imagine it's feature complete. Like, I don't know what more they could add to it, but that means it is the perfect tool for this use. It does everything. Right. So I love deliveries. Okay. If cool. you if you ever track packages and don't use this, I, I thoroughly recommend it. Related to that, if you want to track a package, which is yourself going across the world, I'm going to recommend Flighty. Yes. As a flight tracker. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's just like email app. It's incredibly hard to find a good flight tracking app. I don't I, like. I don't know why. This is the good one. This yeah. This right now is the best one. My understanding of its development is the app began development because there was no good app for this anymore. It's it's a strange ecosystem. I, I presume it has something to do with licensing the data for planes or like mm-hmm. who knows. But I'm gonna highly recommend it. I'm also I'm also gonna send to you. A little, a little thing that I love that it does, which is it'll Ooh. track your flights over the course of a year and show you some statistics on it. 
and confirm for me that this year I had been flying way too much and have been doing way too much travel. And uh, when I found this app, I remember as, as my summer of travel was coming to a close, I saw that my number of times traveled around the world was approaching one. And no joke, when I got back after the summer and I saw that my, my number had reached 0.9 times around the world this year, I swore to myself that I was not going to let that number reach one. And that legitimately helped me say no to some things that I might have done at this last part of the year. I was like, no, I am maxed out for travel. I refuse to have fully traveled once around the entire world. Like, I will not do it. I'm going to say no to a couple of little things because I just like, I just, I'm, I cannot travel anymore. I have traveled way too much. Ha ha ha, my friend. Ha ha ha. Are you going to show me? Do you, right do you have your records? Yeah. You wait do you have right records there. you want to show me? Jeez, you think you are. Oh, I traveled so much. I traveled so much. Take a look at my statistics. Okay. I just want to be clear. Traveled much for me, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So you're hitting almost two times around the world. 1.8 times around the world. 45,240 miles traveled. <sighs> There is a possibility, and I would need to check this, that there might be a couple of flights in here that I right. that I was not on but tracking. Mm -hmm. But let's say that it is very close to this number if it is not this number. I'm very happy to round you off to two times around the world. Like that's, that's I will give you that. That is perfectly fine. In the air for over a hundred hours of the year. That's the brutal part. Yeah, it's it's how how many hours have you been in the air? How many hours in a year? Do I want to do this calculation right now? There's not going to be as much as you think it's going to be. There's, there's a lot of hours in the year. 8,760 hours. While we're talking about traveling, another YouTube colleague of mine, Wendover, he does lots of videos on airplanes. And he, I think it was just this morning or just yesterday, like Thomas Frank is always pushing Notion on me, Wendover is always telling me about his flights because I, I, I ask like a man who's who wants to know more about like a gruesome accident. Because the amount he flies is unbelievable. And I don't even want to try to say what the number was, but he told me the percent of his life in the previous year that he had spent on an airplane. It was not like a, oh, 0.1% of your life you've spent on an airplane. It was a serious number. But he ended up just releasing a video that tracks all of his flight over the course of the year. And it will, it will make your jaw drop on the floor to watch that kind of thing. So we, right, we are like, both total you know, amateurs. You can't ask the guy who makes videos about planes about how much time <laughs> he spent in the air. It's like if I asked you, well, how much time have you spent in Ulysses this year? I would be like, whoa, no way. I, I did like 10 minutes. It doesn't work. But anyway, 1.1% of my year has been on a plane. You told me to do the number. That's still wild. Yeah, it's too now, much. Again, like I want to check it. Like there might be again, there might be like a couple of flights in there, but like that's a that's got to be about it. Whatever it is. Oh man, I can't believe that number. Now I've seen it. I don't feel bad about it because I like to travel, but it's still a huge, just huge. I'm looking at our numbers here, and I I can't help notice though that we have actually done the same 
number of flights. It's mm-hmm. just that you have done many more of the like London to the West Coast flights. That's what the key difference is here. Yeah, I don't travel inside of America as much as you do, right? Like you're, you yes. have two long haul. I have eight long haul. Yeah, I, I was annoyed by those two long haul because like, wait, is, you know, London to New York doesn't count as long haul? I guess not. Yeah, that I have that problem too. It's like, Look, if I'm going to America, that's a freaking long haul flight. Yeah, right? it's, it's a, a long haul flight. I, yeah, I 100% <laughs> agree with you there. And yes, you are also right. I am vastly more traveling around in the interior, which also now, now that things are finally out, I can say is yes, that's partly for Indian reservation stuff. There are many places that take a long time to drive to where there are no planes that you can go there. So yes, that's also that's also part of the reason for this. I'm so pleased you've published that first video, so you can now acknowledge the fact that you've done that, so we can now acknowledge why all these things have happened. <laughs> This year? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think over the past quite a while on Cortex, I've had to make reference to we've recorded shows sometimes under relatively adverse recording environments. Yeah, because you were on reservations trying to find Wi-Fi, right? <laughs> this is like, yeah. here is a situation that we're in. I don't intend to be mysterious, but like, I just didn't want to talk about that until I released something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that's that's part of what was going on there. I don't want to know what my driving miles were over the course of the course of the year, but I just think I, I, just, I keep looking at these two things for our flights, and I think it's fascinating that we both have twenty three flights recorded, but you basically traveled exactly twice as much as I have in yeah. terms of actual distance. That is actually really fun that those numbers do match <laughs> up. I like that a lot. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to mention another one: Calzones, uh, which is the calendar slash oh, yeah. time zone application. You may not see this, like, but in all my widget screens, underneath Fantastical is always Calzones. It lives in the widget there, so I know what time it is in all of the places that I need. But what makes this application superior to every other app like this uh, that I've used is its integration into my calendar. So like I can go into an event, hit a drop down and see what time that event hits in all of the time zones that I want to keep track of. That is a very, very useful uh, application for me. Yeah, I love it as well. It's on my widget screen. I don't use the calendar integration stuff a lot. What I wanted is the ability to be able just to see very quickly on the widget screen, like what time is it in a few places that I need to track. And then if I need to be able to expand out and and do that calculation of, okay, so when it's 9am in Salt Lake City, what time is it in London, like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I really love it. Really great app. Thanks to underscore for making it do exactly what we needed to do. Yay! It's my favorite kind of application. (laughs) The one that does what I want. Yes, exactly. I think that might be it for my lightning round. Do you have anything else? Oh, I've got got stuff, Mike. Oh, lightning for days over here. Let me do some things here. I do want to mention, last year I had just started on Keyboard Maestro as a recommendation from Rosemary Orchard, who showed off the amazing things that it could do to me in person at WWDC. And I'm continually amazed by how much can be done with this app and its ability to allow me to automate some stuff that I just never really thought about before is totally killer. Give me an example. I need to have my mind blown. Here's an example. This won't exactly work for you, but it's it's the idea of it. So when I'm recording my audio for a video... I end up with like these really long audio files where I've talked a bunch and I have many takes of what I want to say. In Logic, there's a way to strip out the silence between these takes. So, you know, I I pause for a couple of seconds and you can get these little pieces. Now, for me, I want to compress all of these little pieces together. So there's a way in Keyboard Maestro, I can just have Keyboard Maestro in Logic select each section of audio 
and slam it into the previous audio section. And so it will create like one continuous block of audio out of what is sometimes hundreds of separate little clips of me speaking. And then from there, like I can go on and fine tune how do I want things to sound. The thing is, if there is anything that you're going to do in a program that's repetitive, Keyboard Maestro can do it. If you could do it in that program with keyboard shortcuts. And like, even that's not true because Keyboard Maestro will also do like image recognition on the screen. So there are ways that you can do stuff with the mouse as well. But just like, if you're ever in a situation where you're on the computer and you're thinking, oh, I need to do this thing like 300 times. And you can do it with keyboard shortcuts. You can stupidly easily automate it with Keyboard Maestro. Another example is I recently put up a 45 minute long video where I'm going through a spreadsheet on the Electoral College, Mm -hmm. uh, which is thrilling viewing, I'm sure, for most people. So I made this spreadsheet that follows the process of adding seats to the House of Representatives one by one. And, you know, you're adding a couple hundred seats. Now, I can just add one at a time by manually doing it in a spreadsheet. But with Keyboard Maestro, you can program it so that it will move the cell selection on the spreadsheet. It can copy out the number that's in that cell and then perform like if then calculations on that and manipulate the number in memory and then paste it back into the spreadsheet. So I can have it do something like find the state that gets the next representative by manually moving the cell selector around copy the current number of representatives by moving one over, add one to that number, paste it back into the spreadsheet, and then put the cursor in the place that it's supposed to be. So that sounds very cool. How hard is that to set up? Okay, I'm trying to sell this to you because it is a slightly more complicated version than shortcuts. But if you can make stuff in shortcuts on iOS, you can make stuff in Keyboard Maestro. It is the exact same idea that you have blocks, that you're arranging in order and those blocks are designed to do something. Hmm. But like the thing with Keyboard Maestro is for many of those blocks, they can be select this item in the menu, copy something to the clipboard, take the thing that you've just copied to the clipboard and see if it's greater or equal to the number one. You can do this stuff with blocks. It's really, really quite impressive. It is a program that I now find myself is having in my mental arsenal of I'm trying to accomplish something on the computer. Do I need to be the person who does this? Or can I quickly throw together something in Keyboard Maestro that can just do it for me? Mm. It's it's really quite impressive. There's a thing in Logic that I also built where you can sometimes have an error where you accidentally add fades to like every single clip of audio and it's really hard to manually undo. But again, like I can do it with keyboard shortcuts so I can have Keyboard Maestro like blast through it and, and undo this error that's very hard to fix otherwise. So it's it just, it's fantastic. It's really fantastic. And I just can't recommend it anymore. If you use a Mac, like you should play around with it. Okay, super fast, lightning round stuff. The smallest app is an app called Better Day for iOS. All it does is it lets you customize how you want the date to be displayed on your Apple Watch. Love it. Another app, Gemini for iOS. This is an app which will find similar photos in your iPhoto library and give you an easy way to select which of the similar photos you want to keep and get rid of the rest. 
And I have been using this as my, I'm standing online and I have a couple of minutes to kill. Let me just knock out a couple of similar photos and try mm. to work through my library to like reduce it down so that I only actually have the photos that I want. Does this one it also like shows you screenshots and stuff? Yes, it'll also yeah. separate out the screenshots. It's really nicely done. I'll also have a pro tip. This is one of the very few apps where they want you to have a subscription to it. And while we have both been very pro subscription stuff, there's something that like, feels to me like this doesn't really feel like a subscription app, even though I, I totally understand why. But they do give you an option to do like a one time lifetime support purchase. And I just did that just like mentally not have this as a subscription. app. I think that is a good way to do it. And it's like a perfectly valid thing. Yeah. Right? Like you either pay every month, which you can do if you maybe only want to use it once or like you want to use it for one month and then not use yeah. it and then like maybe six months time do it again. Or you just yeah. give them money like one time, larger amount of money, we're all good here. Yeah, I was really glad to see the developers include that option. Again, I'm mostly in favor of subscriptions, but for some reason, like this just mentally triggered my like, I don't want to pay for this every month. It doesn't have to be subscriptions. Yeah. It's just have a business model. Yeah. Right. So I was like, lifetime uh, option, sold, Gemini, mm -hmm. you know, take my money. A little thing for the Mac as well. There's an app called Flotato, I think. This replaces Fluid if you are trying to <laughs> make a web page okay. into an app. So Fluid, I mentioned it last year. It hasn't really been supported in a long time and was starting to fall apart with Mojave. Like it wasn't quite working right anymore. So Flotato replaces Fluid if you're looking for how do I turn a web page into an I app. I wonder if it's like Flotato, like a potato. You say Flotato, I say Flotato. <laughs> Let's call the whole thing off. That's, that's how that works. Okay, one final thing for the lightning round. Now, I don't give app of the year, right? I'm not, I'm not in like the business of award shows, unlike some of my other co-hosts here. Yo, what's up? Upgradies coming at yeah. you in December. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I was going to give an app of the year award, I would give it to the app called Fitbod, which is an exercise app. And this app is the best app that I found this year by a mile. I absolutely love this. I have been pushing it on everyone I know. It is an exercise app like no other exercise app. But I'm putting it in the right lightning round because I specifically want to talk more about it in our theme episode, mm. not here. Fitbod. Don't like that name. Doesn't matter. It's amazing. Okay. Okay, Fitbod. that's the end of my lightning round. Oh, you've shown me this. Yes, I've shown it to you because I've shown it to everyone, right? <laughs> if you know me, you've seen it's it. Like th This company should give me a percentage of their company for how much like additional revenue I've been drumming up for them of like everyone I know I've been pushing this app upon. So yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my app of the year by a huge mile. But we'll talk about it in the theme episode. I have two items of follow-up for you. This is the end of the show, Mike. I know, but we, but this has been long established that we do follow-up no, at the end of the show. Yes, no, I understand. But it's the end of the show and, and we've been talking for five hours about apps. I know, but these are, these are things that I have to talk about now, otherwise they'll be gone forever. <laughs> it's urgent follow-up. Yes, because one, I need to say this so people stop sending me this link. Okay. The Jiro Dreams of Sushi restaurant has lost its Michelin stars. Oh, this link. All three of them are gone because... It is basically at this point impossible to book a meal at this restaurant because it is so popular. <laughs> basically, the only way you can get a table at the Jiro Jinsu Sushi restaurant is to either be friends with them or be a friend of a friend. And the Michelin Guide has removed their stars 
because if you can't book a table at a restaurant, they can't put it in the guide. So we can't go there. Yes, everyone in the world sent us this link. It's written in a way where it, it sounds to me like they've just made it a private restaurant. It's a little bit unclear from the wording, but this link has mostly bothered me because of the way I hate how headlines work. Right? Oh, yeah, because cause they make it sound like they found a rat in the kitchen. Or something. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I've been stripped of the stars. The restaurant is so popular, you can't go there. Yeah, it's everything I hate about news headlines, where it's like, you've written it in a way where, what do people think? Yeah. That, yeah, they think exactly that. Oh, there, there was a there's a rat in somebody's sushi. It's like, no, no, no. It sounds like they've basically just turned it into a private restaurant. And the Michelin star guide is not for private restaurants. And end of story. Mm-hmm. Thank you for putting that in follow-up, because I too would never like to see the story again, especially in the context of, oh my God, can you believe what, quote, happened to Jiro's restaurant? It's like, no, you just read the headline. <laughs> That's not how this works. He's doing just fine. Better than fine, in fact. Yeah, probably better than fine. Probably doesn't have to deal with annoying people who just want to go because it's a famous restaurant. Yep. And I'm also very willing to bet that his son, who runs the public restaurant, is nothing but thrilled <laughs> with this with this result. So yeah, I like this is not a bad news story. This is like a this is like a non news story. I have another piece of follow up for you. Okay. What is that? That's the follow up. I bought the WASD keyboards keyboard tester. Oh, okay, right, right. It's just like, oh, you know, let's see what they feel like. Those mechanical keyboard switches. So they sell a little tester with like a bunch of the different color switches, like blue, brown. And so you can Mm -hmm. feel, like see how they feel. Yep. Um, And I really like the green one. There is a subsequent thing. There's a link in the show notes that says, please do not click this. You can now click this. Okay, I can now click it. Because I bought something else. Okay. Did you buy this keyboard? I both customized and purchased that keyboard. Oh boy! Oh, I'm so excited. What a what a colorful mechanical keyboard. Boy, that was fast, Mike. I know. I <laughs> I, I did this while I was editing the episode. We didn't make it one episode between talking about mechanical keyboards and you buying a mechanical. Right, but keyboard. it was even now or never, right? Yes, that's true. So I have ordered a custom WASD keyboard. You can see a link in the show notes. It's very, very colorful. I just decided to make it the most colorful it could be because I yeah. had that option available to me. So yeah, obviously I did that. Uh, it hasn't arrived. Obviously it's being made. I will follow up on this. I told friend and co-founder Stephen about this and he said, when you can't move your hands, don't come crying to me. And I agree with what Stephen said. I did go with, with brown switches. Uh-huh. They are the least. They're not least. They are not the ones that I find the most appealing. Uh, I like mm-hmm. the green because it's very clicky. The brown sounds like this, not very clicky, mm-hmm. but it requires the least amount of force to depress. Right. So I figured that was probably the best place to start. I have a, a well, actually another very significant reason for why I did this. Mm-hmm. Somebody in the Reddit thread, uh, they they teased me by saying, "Hey, Mike, definitely don't look at this subreddit." Mm. which is a subreddit as one focus, which is two focuses. It's called Mechanical Head Pens. It is a just pictures of mechanical keyboards and pens. <laughs> that is it. Well, there we go. And didn't take me long being subscribed to that uh, subreddit to also make me definitely want one. So it's on the way. Great. I'm glad I'm glad you've ordered it. I'm glad you I'm glad you have yourself a nice colorful keyboard on the way. I'll be curious to hear what you think about it. It will serve a purpose to come up in our next episode. 
Oh, okay. Which is yearly themes. Right. Twenty twenty. Year of year of color. Year of mechanical Oof. keyboard. No. Yes. We Year of Colors for Mike. Every year we set themes for the year, which dictate a lot of the paths that we will follow. So on our mm-hmm. next episode, it will focus on a few things. We're gonna review our years. So we're gonna these are our yearly themes. We're gonna talk about how we feel we have fared through our year and if our year theme ended up being the right focus for us. Mm-hmm. And then we are going to unveil the 2020 year theme. Do you have your theme? Yes, I do have my theme. I have mine too. I'm very excited about it. And so that's what we're going to talk about next time. So have a think between now and then. You know, if maybe you've had some ideas circling around in your brain. Mm-hmm. So we'll be able to talk all about our yearly themes and then unveil the 2020 yearly theme. Feels like an important one, 2020, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Do you want to set decade themes? <laughs> no. Uh, no, it, it, as, that is antithetical to the very idea. No. no mm-hmm. Decade themes, no. Yearly themes, yes. Tune in next time to find out more.